I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hello and welcome to VLGA Connect, another special episode for you today. We're going to dig into the issue of gambling, the role of local government, what is the regulatory environment like and uh, how can councils do more to respond to uh, to losses that are happening in their communities. We've heard a few councils talk about that in uh, very recent times. To help us unpack this and talk about a, a series of briefings that started to be presented, I have Simon Harricks from the VLGA joining me today. Hello, Simon. Hello. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Great to have you with us. And Joe Nosgaard from SGS Economics and Planning is with us as well. Joe, lovely to see you. And uh, so firstly, Simon, perhaps if I start with you, the VLGA is pretty active in this space. I think you actually are funded to do work with councils around uh, the minimisation of uh, gambling harm. How is that work progressing at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's been a really uh, a busy piece of work, but work that we've found a lot of councils really wanting to engage in around um, minimising and preventing gambling harm. So we've seen, you know, a lot of councils engage with, with us, the VLGA, in this project around um, the understanding of um, prioritising health and wellbeing residents, and this comes in in many forms, and and gambling harm we've seen as you know a, a big issue that 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 has come with specifically a lot of uh, metropolitan you know councils having record losses recently in terms of electronic gaming machines. So um, engaging them into support of their you know uh, gambling harm policy and, and other kind of ways to to look at addressing, you know, this issue in a public health approach has, has been something we've really focused on and, and wanted to support councils with. Simon, is it a specifically metropolitan issue or are you also working with councils outside of the Metro Melbourne area? We are engaging with with all Victorian councils. We're funded um, from the Victorian Sponsible Gambling Foundation in the, the project that I'm doing to, to engage with all. And while, you know, a lot of the, the metropolitan councils have been some of the the local government areas that we've seen, you know, with with the large um, number of machines in operation and losses, we are engaging with a lot of the the rural and regional councils, especially because they um, are kind of set up with with their growth corridor factors that you know the anticipation of potentially more applications for venues and machines are, are something of concern for councils in those areas. So it is something that we're particularly um, aware of and concerned when. Um, potential for machines to move into areas that don't have the support services that the metropolitan councils have um, is something that we're definitely engaging with. So all kind of councils have their own um, needs and and we're kind of here to support where we can. And you don't have to be a VLGA member council to take part in this work, correct? Correct. We we engage with our VLGA members um, for a lot of our gambling work and it's something that we we kind of hang our hat on and support. But through this program, we have been funded to engage all Victorian councils. So, Joe, uh, you're at SGS Economics and Planning uh, these days. You've got a strong local government background. We've worked together before. Um, how have you found yourself working particularly in this space? Yeah, I think... Um... For SGS Economics and Planning, we're really broad in terms of our public policy that we take. We take both the planning uh, and economics as well as the social lens in terms of the work that we do. 
Um, and we've been uh, working in this space in terms of when gambling applications come in as well. So helping councils work through uh, their social and economic impact assessment that they then take to the commission um, to kind of work out what is the net uh, benefit or detriment of these gambling machines that might be coming into their communities. Um, so yeah, when I met Simon, it was a great opportunity to kind of connect and kind of go, well, let's let's write up a bit of this, what's going on in this space and what a, what's potential local government's role. Um, and yeah, we're, we'll hopefully, hopefully continue, to, continue to write a few more. <laughs> so you've started this series of briefing papers. The first one's about the role of local government in this space. The second one's uh, digging into the current regulatory environment. What What's your hope firstly for the scope of the series? You've got more planned? Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, the scope now, we've, we've really started the first one on um, for those that are new to gambling and they want to know a bit more around what is what are the harms of gambling and what can local government do. So that's really what the first one's about. The second one really digs dive, dive into that um, regulatory space. So what can councils do when they get an application, but then what is the uh, VGCC uh, doing and what's the impact of those machines when they're currently going into communities as well, which is something that potentially doesn't get looked at as often. Um, the next one we're going to kind of think about is maybe looking at uh, the municipal caps that are put on councils as well. So it really is quite broad in terms of if you're working in that gaming space, um, if, you're, if you're in local government or you're just really interested in the topic, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a think tank in terms of what local governments can do. So what's the process you're using to pull together the information that underpins the briefings, uh, the briefing papers you're doing? Yeah, it's a bit of it's a bit of, bit of everything. So we're going on in terms of um, you know the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation has done heaps of work in this space in terms of um, studies around the harms uh, and the impacts to especially from the Victorian context. Um, there's also been other other studies that have been done from a um, economic impact as well. Um, we're looking at the at the losses and the harms that are coming out of the VGCC um, that are reported on every six to twelve months. So that's also been included. Um, leading insights from local government as well, especially from Simon being on the ground uh, and what they're what they're looking at and what they're seeing, um, as well as in terms of studies. So we're doing a bit of you know we're creating our own data set in terms of what's what's coming out of that. Simon, I've noticed a few councils just of late making statements about uh, you know you know great concern about the size of losses. I think there was a bit of a dip, correct me if I'm wrong, sort of through the pandemic, but it's really bounced back. And in fact, some are saying it's way beyond what it was before the pandemic. Where are those councils sitting in terms of their capacity to respond and actually do something about this? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're correct in terms of what we've seen with the losses. We, we had the dip, obviously, with venue closures, but um, we got the numbers back from December losses for 2022, and that was at 251 million in terms of electronic gaming machine losses in hotels and clubs in Victoria, which is the highest monthly loss on record going back to, um, I think the previous one was like 2008. And we're seeing consistently, I think January went close. So the expectation is that the 2022 to 2023 financial year um, stats are going to be the biggest year on, on record. So mm. there is a large concern from councils on the trajectory of this and where they can kind of um, support. So a lot of the the big um, work is, well, how do we kind of look at uh, reducing the supply or, or, you know, venues or machines in place at the moment and why that's a very a high kind of goal um, working underneath in terms of what's the advocacy that the you know local councils can do to support um, you know venues being regulated in a way that people can um, access them with less harm and I guess it is really trying to engage government knowing that 
a lot of the the talk at the moment is around the the dangers of sports betting and online gaming, which is consistently something that we want to highlight as increasing, but not moving away from what we see councils come to us, you know, repeatedly on their major kind of issue of, of harming gambling, which is still with electronic gaming machines. I guess that leads into the issue of caps, Joe. You you mentioned you're you're looking at the effectiveness of caps, I think, and it's not a one size fits all type. Uh, mechanism is it what what jumps out at you as perhaps what needs to happen there yeah well we'll do a bit bit more of a deep dive in that but I mean just from even the kind of thinking through especially being in local government um, you know there are caps on municipalities and there's caps on growth areas as well but outside of um, you know the established areas and growth areas there isn't a cap so that is pretty much a a no man's land you can have as many pokers as you want so it's really hard for councils to kind of go well how how do we uh, put an argument through and looking at that net community benefit which is what the BG um, uh, triple C really looks at in terms of applications it's really hard in a growth area when the community is not there yet it's a very changing community as well um, to really kind of get that evidence up as well the other thing that we know is um, you know caps are across uh, pretty much all of the metro area um, the kind of the four councils that bounce around is the highest losses though uh, Broombank, Casey, Whittlesey and Dandenong um, they've all got caps they're still, right. they're still they're still the biggest losses. So, you know, the caps are brought in to really minimise harm. Um, so we want to deep dive and go, well, is that, is that actually working? Does it need to be reviewed? And is it is it achieving the goal that it's set out to do? They're also some of the faster growing areas, aren't they, in terms of growth? So is it as, I know this might be a simplistic comment, but is it as simple as that, you know, population is just far outstripping what the caps are able to do? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's probably a bit of both. So growth, but also vulnerability. So those four right. councils are also very vulnerable. They have really um, vulnerable communities within them. And we know that um, gaming machines do much more harm to those that are more vulnerable. So I think there's a couple of lens that we're keen to kind of look through this on. Yeah, right. and we will, because the, the review on the municipal caps for all local government areas has is overdue at this point. It was mm-hmm. due for 2022. It will happen this year, but we know the logic behind where they've landed with the numbers is tied to population. So some of the concern might be that when they reevaluate if they're using the same method in these corridors um, or councils who have high losses who are increasing population, that maybe the cap would go up and we'd be working with you know councils to support a submission that they would want to put in are probably to you know look at either keeping it the same or reducing it given what we're seeing with the losses mm-hmm. in the areas. Now you've done some work looking at the various applications in recent times, and um, I guess part of your work here is to help equip local government to better respond to those applications. What mm-hmm. sort of learnings are, are jumping out at you? from that review work? Yeah, so from a, um, and so I'm going to jump in here as well because I know you've been doing heaps of the stuff with local governments. Um, but I think before you even get an application, it's really important for councils to really understand the data and what's going on within their municipality. And they can do that through, you know, planning and research, so developing your game and gambling strategy, so you can get it into the, into the planning scheme, service delivery, community development, um, looking at council's own community infrastructure. So we know that in some council venues, there's still EGM machines that are operating within them. Um, and on the flip side of that, uh, councils have really great venues that they could open up to um, facilitate alternative ac- um, activities rather than gambling. And we've seen that through, you know, funding like libraries after dark and those type of things. So I think that's the starting point for councils is to really understand what's going on within their municipality, um, what's the data and evidence saying. So then when they get an application, 
education, um, they're, they're really clear on what's what's the kind of baseline that's going on within their councils. Yeah, and what we've been seeing recently, um, obviously with the creation of the, the VGCCC um, in the wake of the Royal Commission of the Crown uh, Casino Operator and Licence, as a regulator now that's, you know, focused just on gambling in the casino rather than um, liquor as well, um, that we've had a few hearings recently as, you know, the first kind of ones that we've seen come across, you know, the VGCCC. Um, so understanding, you know, looking at the the response to these applications and what the VGCCC commissioners are saying in response, whether it's approving or, or denying, but some of the more recent um, cases, you know, there has been a, a strategic approach from the VGCCC to apply much stricter gambling harm minimization criteria mm. when they're assessing it. So we, it's interesting, you know, to discuss with council on, you know, what are the options and what are the potential outcomes, what they should be potentially um, putting forward in a, in a submission um, looking at, um, you know, restrictions on some of the things that the venues should be doing or um, not just community contributions, which have been historically um, what's been uh, placed as conditions with approved licences, but now more conditions about what are they doing with their responsible service of gaming? Um, do they have a policy in place to address issues around harm from, from residents and um, things in place where if they're not meeting the expectations, the, the regulator can't can come and turn off their machines, basically. I think the other side of that as well, like when we were doing the review of the approved applications, so SGS did a review of 15 uh, approved applications between 2016 and 2018 just to kind of get out of that COVID period where everything was a bit bit um, high wire with, with funding, uh, with losses, sorry. Um, and what we saw for that is the two key things coming out of that is that, that there is actually no set framework in terms of how um, gaming applications are assessed. So within, within the Act, uh, the Commission uh, must not grant an application unless the net community, a net economic and social impact of approval will not be detrimental to the wellbeing of the community. But in terms of how you measure that, it's really varied. So when you're looking at applications in terms of what the Commission's looking at, um, you know, some have some data sets, some don't. Uh, so getting a really set framework uh, from the Commission is, is one thing that we're really pushing for. The other side of that as well, um, uh, as Simon was saying, you know, looking to look at other elements that the venue might be able to do. But at the moment, there's no way to measure if they actually do that or not. Um, so they might say that, yes, they're going to give how many... Um, a percentage of community contributions or they might up the number of staff in the gaming venue, um, but no one's actually monitoring whether or not they do that or not. So um, I think there's, there's two, key, two key things that we really wanted to say from the change up of the uh, commission. That's an interesting point, that last one you raised. Uh, I, I'm recalling a council, and I can't remember which one, uh, very recently took a stand about uh, the, the so-called community contributions uh, that are being made and questioning whether they were actually providing mm. value to the community. Might that be the subject of a future paper in the series? I think so. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Even, even on that, Chris, I mean, when we reviewed it, um, I mean, community contributions, how, how it's reported is is really untransparent. So you can't even work out if they have or haven't. But even if you take the take the whole contribution and go, well, let's say that they have done it and it's in there somewhere, um, they're not delivering the amount of contribution that they would, they said they were going to do at the commission hearing. So they might have done it on year one um, and then they haven't done it. So, I mean... The life of the machines is what ten years summoned for a for a license. Like you, you would assume that it's a ten year contribution that they should be you making. Mm, um, yeah, it's so, yeah. 
the entitlements or the renewal of, of the entitlements were um, kicked in in August last year in 2022, and they're t- a 10-year license. So basically, there is kind of this lifeline. And what we saw when that ticked over in August, that a few venues were saying that our community contribution license was tied to what we had and now we've renewed our license we aren't you know we shouldn't be in the place to to keep paying these community contributions moving forward which is is something of concern i think um we're seeing with new applications there's potentially um you know writing or, or wording to the fact that the life of these machines in place of the venue means that these contributions need to be made um community contributions as a whole is an interesting thing from councils to kind of grapple with in terms of how much focus they do um put on it and and concern but i think increasingly councils are looking at you know weighing up what you know the impact of 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 venues are doing with these contributions what they look like i think maybe referring to a council that shone lighter recently city of monash have you know adopted a a new gambling harm policy recently with uh quite um you know uh, clear kind of policy points that they're advocating for the the, the change in, in the way that community contributions are viewed at the moment there's there's three kind of classes to it um that they have to um you know meet whereas when you break it down a lot of these contributions are fitting into operation costs and and yeah. refurb of the the yeah. venue where they want to kind of focus on well what's actually the the sponsorships and the the contributions to, to local clubs and health services instead City of Monash is the one I was thinking of, and thank you for reminding me, Simon. Do you see that as potentially a model that other councils will follow or are planning to follow? We've seen a lot of councils engage with, I think, City of Monash on on what it looks like and if there's an advocacy arm that they, maybe they could support moving forward. I think um, when it comes to actual policy points, um, I don't know if councils are, are ready to kind of go that far, but we are engaging with almost, uh, you know, the highest number of councils that I've, I've, you know, had experience with currently in updating policy, you know, upwards of 15 at the moment who are really looking at reviewing and seeing where they can take a, a policy in line with what is kind of seen as best practice out there at the moment. So there's, you know, interesting conversations to see the, you know, the, um, the impact of, of some of these um, policy points that Monash has done and in terms some of the success and impact on, on local clubs or or their relationship with some of the venues and the pushback on it, which has happened, we've seen in, in some of the media. Um, I was going to say as well, from a from a contributions perspective as well, um, I think councils have been grappling with this for a long time in terms of knowing that venues potentially aren't delivering on contributions. Um, so how can they play a role? Because the commission is, you know, they're, they're not monitoring or tracking this. So there have been councils that have stepped into that space and going to be like, well, we'll take the contributions and manage them, which then puts council in a really challenging space from a governance perspective. Um, and from my perspective, it's probably not something that councils want to want to step into in terms of, the, well, we'll take it and distribute it how we see um, where the needs are within the community. That the thinking behind it is great, but in terms of where it puts council from a from a governance perspective, gets a bit, little bit tricky when you're trying to make those decisions as well. Uh, but perhaps a final question for the both of you, given all of the intricacies in this, given the barriers that you've described, given the, you know, the, the there is a bit of a groundswell, particularly from councils for action here. How confident are the both of you that some real change might occur in this space in the not too distant future? Well, there's an election in New South Wales uh, this weekend, so I think that's uh, that's going to probably push it a little bit more. Um, I think we do really need to see some action from state government. Um, uh, so we're yet to see any of that from Victoria, but I think um, what's happening in New South Wales is, is hopefully going to push the push the barrier a little bit further, um, at least 
uh, for some. Of course, by the time most people hear this, that election will have will have <laughs> been. But we'll have some we'll have some insights into that. Simon, your thoughts? I am optimistic um, in terms of some kind of change, just given the fact that you know local government are getting you know a lot of kind of community consultation, you know, feedback from their residents that gambling harm is an issue that they're concerned about. Um, I guess a lot of the the feedback is on online gaming and sports betting because it's kind of visible in our face. So I think it's kind of steering it back to electronic gaming machines where possible. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, councils are, are really, you know, assertive in positioning themselves to, to support the reduction of harm. But what we're seeing with the losses and the numbers, it's hard to see that not kind of continuing to, to hit the trajectory that it is without, um, you know, firm regulation from state government. Okay, that's been a, a very insightful conversation. Uh, the briefings uh, that we've mentioned, there's two been produced so far with more to come. How do people access those, Simon? Uh, they're on the LGIU website. So um, we'll be you know, pushing it out as far to our networks. But if you kind of search gambling there, they all come up, all the series. So two on there at the moment and um, at least one more to come with that. Okay, that's at lgiu.org. Uh, Joe, thank you. Great to see you and uh, all the best with this work. Um, well done. And Simon, thank you for your insights as well. It's been great to have you on the program. No worries. Thanks. And that's a special edition of VLGA Connect. Uh, thank you for listening and watching. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and your podcast player and stay tuned for more coming very soon. Bye for now. 